We'll come back to Philippians 4.8 in just a few minutes, but I want to start with this question. How many of you in the room, or us, because it includes me, how many of us struggle with worry? That's me. Lots of hands going up, okay? Lots of us struggle with this. And worry can really take hold of us. Sometimes even before we know it, we're just sort of living life, and then we recognize for the last few minutes, we've been worried about something. It can ruin our thought life. It can ruin our day because we worry about so many things. We worry about family, parents, grandparents, children, grandchildren, spouses. We worry about our friends. We worry about money. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our health and the health of people we love. It can be overwhelming. Sometimes we even worry about worrying too much, right? Have you ever done that? I have. That's extreme worrying, I think, if we can do that. But what I want us to think about today is the fact that worry can steal our joy. It can take from us something that really is a gift from God and is hugely important. We've been in the series that we're calling Pure Joy, and we bring that to a close today. And, and we've talked about how important joy is. Not, not happiness, which is so fleeting and can disappear really quickly, but joy which is more enduring. Joy, which the first week we noted is based in our relationship with Jesus. The fact that God has called us to know him brings us joy. And the second week we talked about how as we look forward and see what God has in store, and we know that God has our future in his hands, we look forward to the fact that we'll spend eternity with him, and that brings us joy. And then last week, we talked about how we find joy even in the church, in the community of faith, as we connect with one another and share life and live this Christian life based in our faith in Jesus Christ. How all those things bring us joy. So we've been talking a lot about the sources of joy, but today I want us to think about a threat to our joy. And we've already named it, it's worry. In fact, worry can take away from us our joy. We can see how that happens with happiness. We're living sort of a great day, and then we think of something that worries us, and we've forgotten about it. And as soon as we think of it, our happiness is gone. But it can also steal our joy as well. Because our worry becomes our focus. Our worry focuses in our thought life. We are thinking about that one thing that we're afraid could happen. That one thing that's going on that we're concerned about and where it's headed. And it takes over our thought life. It takes our focus away from the thing that brings us real joy, and that's Jesus Christ. Because our worry asks questions like this. Okay, I know God is out there, and I know he's a good God, but you know what? He never promises that he's going to take away all my suffering and my trouble and the difficult things I'm going through. So... Even though, yeah, I've got faith in Jesus Christ, what is that going to mean for the struggles I have today? And yeah, I know that we can think about the fact that in the future, Jesus is going to return. We're going to spend eternity with God. That's really encouraging. But how does that affect the problems with my family and my money and my health and my friends and my work, all the stuff that I've got to deal with this afternoon. That's a long way away. So what does it have to do with today? You see how the focus has turned from our relationship with Jesus and the promises that Jesus provides to the problems that we're facing in the present. 
That's the problem with worry. And that's the way that worry can take our focus away from Jesus. So how do we deal with that? You know, worry tells us you're all alone in this. Worry says to us, you've got to solve all the problems. Worry says, yeah, your friends are going through this. You should stand with them and help them through. Worry says you've got to deal with all the problems that could happen with taking care of a parent or being a parent. Worry says it's all on you. And how could we possibly live a life of joy when we're bearing all that weight every day? There's no way that joy can be a part of a life that's trying to solve all the problems because we're not strong enough to do that. We have to depend on something that is stronger than us. So when we try to solve the problems, it won't work. So what do we do? Probably fought worry if you deal with it. You probably found that worry is a lot stronger than logic, a lot stronger than anything you can think through. So what do we do? Today I want us to turn to Philippians chapter 4, finish the main body of this letter, and hear what Paul has to say about that. He begins this section by calling us to joy once again. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's saying that joy should be present in your heart, but, but not just in your heart. You should do something with it. You should express that joy. And so that joy comes out in who you are. It might come out in worship because part of what we do in worship is rejoice, right? We rejoice in what God has done. People, other people should see the joy in your life because part of your life is rejoicing in what God has given and what God is doing. So he's calling us to that. And it's at this point in the letter that if you read Charles Cusar's really fine commentary, he summarizes everything that Paul says about joy right here. And he follows lines that are very similar to what we've talked about. So I want to do that really quickly. He says three things about joy, three characteristics of Paul's understanding of joy. First, joy is paradoxical. Okay, what does he mean? Big word, all right? What does that mean? It means sometimes it feels like it doesn't make sense. Here's Paul writing from prison, at least sort of he's under house arrest, facing trial. He may be killed because of his faith. And what is Paul calling these people to? Joy. Doesn't seem like that makes sense. It's very possible that the Philippian Christians were going to face some persecution. And yet, what is Paul calling them to express in the midst of that? Joy. It's a little bit like what Gary was talking about earlier in the communion meditation. That when we see death, what God sees is the potential for life. When Jesus seemed defeated and in the grave, what did God see? The opportunity for resurrection and new life. When it all seems lost, God sees all the possibilities. And that should bring us, as followers of Jesus, joy. Because God can do so much, even when we think we're defeated. So, Joy is sometimes paradoxical. Joy points forward. Joy anticipates the future. uh, Joy says that God is going to be active in the present and the future, that God hasn't somehow forgotten us, that he's at work even now, and he will continue to be at work until Jesus returns, and that, yes, it is a long way off to think about eternity. 
but we're already participating in it because as Christians our eternal life has already begun. We are in the midst of it and so it matters even today. And third, joy involves relationship. Paul never talks about a Christian over here sort of experiencing joy by himself or herself. Instead, what Paul talks about is the joy that these Christians experience in community, in the church. And so they share in this joy. They are partners in joy. So he's calling them to come together now in verse 4 and rejoice as the church share in their joy and express their joy. Then he talks about this threat to our joy in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. There's that worry and fear. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's take that apart a little bit. Paul says, don't be anxious and some of us who struggle with worry are saying, well, that's real easy to say, right? He's basically saying, I know you're struggling with worry. Don't, don't worry. Well, how? How do we do that? Well, he doesn't leave it there. He just doesn't say, forget the worry. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. So we do something. It's not just this blanket condemnation of worry. It's Paul saying, yeah, don't worry, and, and here's what you should do instead of worrying. You need to pray. And he says you need to, by prayer, which is sort of the normal, average, everyday word for prayer, but also by petition, and that's a specific asking. So you're making a specific request to God. So it might be, God, help me get through this worry. I know it's unreasonable, but I can't deal with it right now. I need you to walk with me through this worry. Or, God, I'm worried about my child, parent, money, spouse, health, job. God, guide me through this. Help me make the right decisions. Take care of my children. Take care of my parent. Take care of my health. God, I need you at work in my life. So with prayer and petition, and then the third one is a little surprising. He says with thanksgiving. Now my guess is that when most of us deal with worry, we're not giving thanks in the middle of it. We're letting the worry control us. We're focusing in on the worry. And we forget everything that God has done. We forget to give thanks for the way God has provided and, and given us a family and given us a job and given us money and all those things we tend to be worrying about losing. So Paul says, even in the middle of your worry, maybe especially in the middle of your worrying and your anxiety, Give thanks. Because it might just remind you that God is at work. That he's doing something. And then Paul gives us this assurance. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Now, sometimes when we think peace, we think pass <clears throat> passive, <clears throat> but this is anything but that. 
This is peace that we can't even comprehend, Paul says. It's deeper and wider than what we understand. So it's God at work. This is an active God who is engaging us. This is not a God who's sort of saying, hey, things will get better um, if everybody just gets along. He's saying, this is the peace that stands between us and all the struggle. He says, it will guard your hearts and your minds. Now, have you ever thought your heart or your mind needed a guard? And remember, with this sort of ancient understanding of heart, it's deeper than emotion. It's our being. It's as though Paul is saying this peace of God will stand between you and the worry. We need that. We need God's power between us and all the things that can cause us anxiety because it's so easy to focus on those. So we're called here to depend on God. Depend on God's powerful peace that can be at work to help us overcome this worry. So what's the lesson? Allow God to protect your joy. Joy is a precious thing. And it's easy for us to allow this worry to take our joy away. But how do we put this at work? I've been talking, some people might have been thinking, well, James, are you just saying that, you know, if you're worrying, say a little prayer, and that worry is just going to disappear. Because I've tried that. And I've tried even a lot of prayer. And the worry doesn't always just go away. And I understand that. Because it doesn't. And I don't think Paul is making this sort of magical. I think he's saying you need to be in, you need to be in conversation with God. This needs to be an all-the-time kind of thing where we are talking to God about the things that matter the most. Because if we're not, our thought life can go in different directions. You know, most worry begins with two words. What if? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if my spouse gets sick? What if we run out of money? What if my kids start making some bad choices? All the what-ifs can mount up, and if we go down that path very far, we know it only leads to despair because we can mount up all these things that we're afraid of happening. And yet the truth is, most of it never will. For those of us who worry, if all the stuff that we were worried about happening had actually happened, we'd be alone and penniless, you know, decades ago. But it didn't happen. And so we need God to remind us of his presence and the reality around us that we can get lost from. In other words, prayer is not just about talking to God about our worry. Prayer may be also about listening to God and allowing him to show us what we should do about the things we're worried about and how we can trust him with our lives and with our being. Part of the question here is, do you believe that God is powerful enough to handle all this stuff that you're worried about? Do you believe God is powerful enough 
to forgive the things that you've done and allow you to spend eternity in the presence of God. Because we sometimes make God pretty small, pretty domesticated, so we can keep him in the corner, use him as decoration. But the God that Paul is talking about here is active and present and engaging us and changing things. Which God do you believe in? Paul talks about how important our thought life is in this passage, and he concludes with this great verse, or a couple verses, verses 8 and 9, where he focuses that in. And I think it's a great uh, conclusion to everything we've been talking about in terms of joy over the past four weeks. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Do you see the contrast that he's drawing there? Here's the stuff that you worry about. Here's what it's like to be so caught up in anxiety that you get paralyzed over fear of doing anything or fear of what is to come. There's one side of it. But here's what you need to think about. Because if you focus in on all that anxiety and fear, it leads you to despair. But here's something that you should be thinking about. Instead of the worry, think about what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy because it will change you. And it will allow God to protect your joy. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the joy that we receive only in Jesus the joy that can be part of our lives, not just part of a few moments. But God, we also know it's so easy for us to allow our joy to be stolen by our worry. Be with us in that. Help us to overcome. But only overcome through your power because we know we can't do it on our own. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe today... You're at a point that you want to experience the joy that we find only in Jesus. We invite you to let us know. We want to see you baptized into Christ. Or maybe as a baptized believer, you want to come and be a member of our church and share in the joy that we have as a church body. If you've made either one of those decisions, come forward as we stand and sing our invitation together today. Let's stand.